So good. Isn't it awesome watching people get baptized? And what we need to know is the reason why we invest in the next generation is because the further they get along, the less likely they're going to make that decision. And so that's why we, we are so excited. And I also noticed how large Grant is compared to the students. Um, <coughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Pastor Kenny Luck. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. We're in this series called Reset, and you're going to help me out with the message right now. Everybody say, to set anew. To set anew. That's what it means to reset. And so as you sit in uh, our sanctuary and as you hear about what's going on at Crossline, we're, we're resetting things physically. There's a physical kind of transformation uh, going on, and your, your teaching and pastoral team decided, you know what? If, if we transform the outside of our campus, but we don't have inner transformation of character, it's a little hollow. We need to be transforming as a people. Because when you change the outside, but you don't change the inside, you know what that's called? A shell. That's what it's called. And so we're resetting uh, some different uh, themes here at Crossline. We've taken a fresh look at worship. We've taken a fresh look at prayer. Taken a fresh look at community. Um, looking at uh, service. And then last week, Pastor Taylor blew it out the box on outreach. And he was talking about how we're a community that's called to reach out in normal and natural and supernatural ways to our community that we exist in and to all the new communities that are coming in South Irvine. That's our responsibility. We're the church. We're called to shine the light of Christ in this community. So while we've been talking about some of these things, what we need to know and remember is that the Bible says when believers and communities of believers do these things where we are worshiping with passion, where we are serving with passion, where we're reaching out in passion, right, getting into community and investing in body life, and when we're sharing the love of Jesus, when we do those things well, God moves powerfully. And so to lead us into this next area of transformation that God is calling our community of believers into, I want you to help me out a little bit with the, with the message, and it's going to start with a pop quiz. Now, I know that the fear of God just went through some of you. You're like, I'm, I'm back in college. I'm not ready. But here it is. Ready? In the Bible, it says, for God so loved the world that he Okay. God so loved the world that he gave. All of you, you know, you're pretty familiar with that. It's John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. And there are some things, some things in the Bible, some themes that we would say have a high importance, okay, that are connected to God's person and God's purposes. And you just said one of them. But let's look at some other ones, right? In the Bible, you'd think, boy, believe, right? That's, a, that's an important word. In the Bible, the word believe is, to, is in there 272 times, okay? Uh, how about pray, right? The word pray, prayer is a big emphasis. We had it as a theme of our reset series 374 times. So pray 272, believe, or believe 272, pray 374. Love, huge theme in the Bible, right? 714 times love is mentioned in the Bible. But give... 2,152 times. Now, what does that tell us about God and God's word to us? God is a giver. Let's say that together. God is a giver, and if God is a giver and he is generous, then the implication as his followers wanting to live out his purposes is that we will be generous too. So we're going to look at resetting generosity. Now, in the Bible, what you need to know about the theme of giving and generosity is that there are more promises 
in the Bible connected to generosity than any other theme in the Bible, not even a close second. But when we talk about generosity, there are some of you, and there's like this little helicopter in your stomach, and it's going, is he going to talk about money? I'm not just talking about your money. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about being generous with your time. I'm talking about being generous with your emotions. I'm talking about being generous with forgiveness. I'm talking about being generous with words and encouragement. I'm talking about being generous with your energy because you know God and you come in contact with people. And our mission on earth is to express the nature and character of God as his followers. Now the definition of generosity is simple. It's love in action. Everybody say that. Love in action. Right. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. I mean, just ask my wife. I can say, oh, Chrissy, I love you, babe. And I can say that morning, noon, and night. But if I'm not generous with my encouragement, if I'm not generous with my willingness to sacrifice, if I'm not generous in my willingness to give time, if I'm not generous with my resources, I don't really love Chrissy because it's seen in how I give, not just in the words that I say. So that's an important theme as we talk about this whole issue of generosity. We can say that we love God and we love people, but if you don't give, if you're not generous, the words or the claims are a little hollow. So I'm really glad today that I get to talk about the theme of generosity because I get to talk a lot about God himself. And so if you have your message notes, you'll wanna take those out because we're gonna start this journey of resetting our generosity by resetting our view of God. And we're gonna look at a few descriptions and draw some simple conclusions and some simple applications about God's character and then we're gonna link them to us as people who claim to follow him. And the first description is in Psalm 84. It says this, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Now, when David says, how, when he says, you know what, a single day here defeats a thousand days in houses of pleasure. Why is that? It's because God's world is a place of personal and powerful generosity. He says, I'd rather be in this powerful place and with this powerful person where there is protection, there is warmth, there is safety. God gives grace, God gives glory, God withholds no good thing from those who do what is right. Man, that's where you wanna be. You wanna be in the place where God is and when you're in the place where God is, you're in a place of generosity. Now, if you're taking notes, you might wanna write this down. God is not a withholder. 
Okay? The word is specific. I don't know how you see God. I don't know if you see God as distant, austere, angry, nitpicky. I don't know what your view of him is, but the view of Scripture and what we experience through the Son, Jesus, is that God is not a withholder of what is uniquely his. Father and Son and Spirit let go. Jesus let go of heaven to come to earth. God let go of his only Son, The Holy Spirit, which bonds them, was with them in the letting go. God's not a withholder. The scripture says the Lord will withhold no good thing. Now, if that's our God, our life in God should reflect our view of God. If God's not a withholder, if God doesn't withhold leaving heaven for earth, if God the Father doesn't withhold God the Son from coming to die a horrible death on a cross so that we can have our sins forgiven and a purpose for living and a home in heaven, if God's that kind of God, what are we like if that's what our God is like? Because I want to share with you a very important truth as you follow Jesus. Your view of Jesus, all right, will reflect your life in Jesus. So if somehow you struggle with being generous with whatever, time, resources, energy, forgiveness, if you're, if you're greedy or stingy in one of those areas, my encouragement is for you to take a fresh look at the person of God in Jesus Christ. Because what you'll see is that he withholds no good thing. He's not a withholder of what is uniquely his. There's a second description I want us to look at in Psalm 51. It's David, and he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now, a teaching dynamic is you teach by contrast. So when David says, he's asking for clean heart, renew my spirit, restore joy in my life. He's going to God, why? Because he knows that if he goes to God, he is encountering God's generous spirit. Not God's generous one-time event of, I'll be good to you now, but that's it, I've run out. It's not, I'll be good to you here in some things and in some ways, but I won't be good to you over here, all right? If you're taking notes, you wanna write this down, God is generous to the core. God is generous to the core. Any of you ever experienced the generosity of God's spirit? I have. Beginning with that fateful night in the summer of 1982, when in desperation and addiction and bondage, I said, Jesus, if you're real, I want to see you. And the spirit of the living Christ came into 6788 Hanover Drive into the back room of my parents' house and totally consumed me in my desperation. And Jesus generously gave me his presence and said, I love you, you're made by me, you're made for me, I got a purpose for you, I forgive you, I've washed all your sins away, I mean, all in just one amazing, surreal encounter with the living Christ. God's been generous with me, and from that moment, my life for 36 years has never 
been the same. It's just experience after experience of God's generosity, not just in my prosperity, but also God's generosity in my adversity. Incredible, incredible God. That's a second description. So God is not a withholder of what is uniquely his. God is generous to the core. Please, please make the connection. That's the God who created you and who loves you. That's what he's like. What are you like? Are you like God? Are you generous to the core? I don't know about you, but I'm getting there. I want to be more and more like God. When he asks, I want to say yes. When people ask, I want to say yes more. When there's a need, I want to say yes more. When he calls me to do something that's difficult for me in my context, but it requires faith, I want to say yes more. So God is not a withholder. God is generous to the core. And then we read a third description here where it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist put it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. Wow. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God is extravagantly generous. God is extravagantly generous. In Ephesians chapter 1, we just studied the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about how God lavishes in Christ his grace upon us. See, the Bible is complete with this picture with an infinite God who is also generous. Now just take, take time for a moment to let your head connect those two things. God's infinite and God's generous. That means that he can infinitely give out of his generous spirit. Now, when we talk about this theme of resetting generosity at Crossline, I hope you're, you're, you're seeing God very clearly so that our life in God can be equally as clear and purposeful in the days and weeks and months to come, as God calls us to reach this new community and this existing community that we're in, that we're gonna need to be like God and be generous. And the Bible makes the connection for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, this most generous God, you might wanna circle that, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. So we've got this most generous God. He's been extravagant with us so that we can be generous in how many ways? Every way. So we're not just talking about, hey, we have a God's heart for the next generation offering, and we should be seeking the Lord and praying and just going, Lord, how can I be generous with that? Especially if you're parents. If you're parents of younger kids, man, you should be thinking about, gosh, what can we do? Because you know what? You invest in what you're interested in. If you have young kids and you're interested in them knowing the Lord, man, you gotta invest in that stuff because that's what you want. 
Where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. But as we talk about resetting generosity, it's when God's own character of generosity takes over our character as individuals and a community. In fact, that's the spiritual process. Becoming like Christ. Right? So as we look forward to the days and weeks to come, what's my prayer for you? What's my prayer for this community? It's that God's own character takes over this community. That we would not be withholders of what is uniquely ours. That we would extravagantly give of our time and our talent and our treasure and who we are and our words. And that we would start becoming like God more and more generous to our core. See, here's what the Lord really wants us to receive from him this morning. It says it right there on your notes. Generosity creates a whole new world for God's people. I want us to read that right off the notes together. Ready? Generosity creates a whole new world for God's people. Look at what the word of the Lord says in Proverbs 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. You know what? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. Stingy people live in a small way. They live with a small view of life. They have a small view of everything that represents change. They have a small view of people around them. They have a small view of anybody different from them. I don't know if you agree with me, but I believe that stinginess shrinks a person's world. It's a limiting force. It makes your world small. Now, generosity, on the other hand, the Bible says, enlarges your world. It puts you in a different place. It gets you outside of yourself, and you're free to notice things because you're not worried about yourself so much. You have a new perspective. In the, in the, in the words of the great theologian Aladdin, I can show you a world. But that's what God's saying to us this morning. It's like, you get on this, this, this little mechanism of, of generosity, and I'm going to take you places and in through doors where you're going to see things you've never seen before. You're going to feel things you've never felt before. You're going to do things that you never did before because you're going to be out of your own head, and you're going to be into me and my purposes and wanting to become like me, and you're going to be loving people even more. I can show you my world. That's what God's saying through generosity, opens doors so that you see further, you live in a bigger world. And I'm telling you, the world is starving to see a community of people who are out of their own heads and into other people. Because everybody walks around competing for all the limiting resources, all the limited jobs. They worry about their, their profile and they worry about their bank account and they're so wondering whether or not that if, if they're gonna get their needs met that they, they don't stop and go, oh gosh, you know what? Um, I need to be generous. But man, when they experience generosity, they're stoked because it's so different. Now, one of the best parts of that passage from scripture is verse 25. If you're looking at your notes, look at it uh, again, the one who blesses others will be what? Abundantly blessed. You see, when you're generous, there's a shift that happens in your spirit. There's a shift that happens in a collective community of people. It's something just happens. And all of a sudden, this, 
These new roads open up and it calls down supernatural blessings that just start to flow toward individuals and communities of individuals who are practicing generosity. It changes you, it, change comes on you and change comes through you in a new way, all related to you and I understanding who God really is and our view of God impacts our life in God as individuals and as people in community and we become more generous. And then it becomes a witness, others see it and they go, wow, what is that like? Give me some of that, right? So let's talk about what generosity is gonna look like around here in the coming weeks and months and years. Number one, generosity is gonna be the atmosphere we thrive in, okay, write that down. It's gonna be the atmosphere that we thrive in. When you read the book of Acts, you see the spirit, the spirit of God fall upon a community of believers and the spirit of generosity breaks out and everybody begins to thrive on being generous. In Acts chapter two, verse 44, it says, all the believers, everybody say all the believers, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The middle part that I didn't put in there, just like, man, they were sharing everything, they were breaking bread, they're meeting in homes, they're saying, Who's, what do you need? I don't know, what do you need? You know what I, I pray for Crossline Church in the days to come? That we would be a people who would ask others freely because we know God, hey, do you need anything? You need anything? Because that's how, that's how God is with us. He's always available. And we come to him when we're in need. Now I want you to see the connection between generous giving and thriving as the church went with God's spirit moving among them, they began to be more generous with each other and as they were more generous with each other and took care of one another, then the community in the first circle right around them saw that spirit of generosity break out and they started adding to their number daily those who were being what? Saved. And this is the mission of Crossline Church, that people would come to know the person of Jesus Christ, that they would receive for themselves his person as Lord and his work for them as Savior, and that they would be saved. But that's not gonna happen unless we develop the spirit of generosity, that it's just who we are. It's an atmosphere of generosity. Secondly, generosity is the ground we stand on. In the days and weeks and months to come, generosity is gonna be the ground we stand on. The prophet Isaiah talks about how the generous man has a certain stance. It says this in Isaiah 32.8, but a generous man devises generous things. By generosity he shall stand. See, if any of you guys have ever played a sport ever, there is this thing across all sport. It's called the ready position, okay? It's just like this. It's because it, all movement starts here. So if whether you're going to get a ground ball or whether you're taking a snap and you gotta take a step back or whether you're gonna shoot a basket or whether you're gonna hit a slap shot, you gotta be in the ready position but it all emanates from the core, right? That's the stance that God is talking about for his people. We have to be in the ready position of generosity, be ready to give of ourselves, ready to give of our resources, ready to give uh, words of encouragement, ready to, to give forgiveness, ready to step in, not because we have the power to do it ourselves, but we, we believe in a powerful God 
and we've had an experience of generosity that then makes us willing to go, okay, I can give that away. So generosity is going to be the atmosphere we thrive in here at Crossline. It's going to be the ground we stand on. Third, it's going to be the vision our people possess. The vision our people possess. In other words, it's going to be the filter. It's going to be the perspective. It's going to be the disposition. Right? Look at what the scripture says in Proverbs 22. It says, he who has a generous what? I. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. So just like it says in Isaiah that the generous man devises generous things, the, the, the generous person has an eye toward need and doesn't excuse himself and write him a hall pass and say, well, I don't have to write that check. I don't have to show up and serve there. I don't have to step into that thing. No, actually, you do. Because Jesus did that for you. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. In fact, in the Bible, it's the only place where he confronts the will of God and doesn't want to do it. But you know who he had his eye on? Yeah. He had his eye on you. Wow. Blows my mind. My kids say, Dad, we never see you cry except during communion. I cry in certain movies. But I always cry in communion. Wonder why? Because Jesus has eye on me. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. For he gives, he gives bread to the poor. It's just like, boy, you know, how can, I, how can I be like Jesus? Jesus was so generous with me. How can I bless someone else? Fourth, in the days and the weeks to come, in the months and the years, generosity is going to be the language we speak. And you're like, is that a metaphor for something? No. I'm just talking about words. You know, I've been doing men's ministry for 30 plus years. It astonishes me how so many fathers do not know how to speak the oxygen of encouragement into their kids. It's devastating. Everyone needs encouragement. Amen? Amen. You know, and as, as God's people, as so encouraged people, as so loved people, we should love so well and speak the language of generosity and we should speak encouragement to other people. A lot of times, you know, we might speak encouragement to get something, not speak encouragement for encouragement's sake. You know, butter somebody up so that we can get something from them, you know? But you see, God's people speak encouragement. Look what the scripture says in Proverbs 10. It says, the lips of the, the righteous feed how many? Many. But fools die for lack of wisdom. You know, if you're a wise person, you're an encouraging person. If you're an encouraging person, you're a generous person. You're generous with your words. If someone was depending on you for their spirit's nutritional health, would they be starving or would they be full? Now there's a confronting question, but it's one that God wants us to consider because you know what? When people come on this campus, we need to be a generous people. We need to be generous with our words. I'm glad to see people who are here for the first time. I truly, truly am. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to see people that I know. I'm glad to give a hug when we greet. I'm glad that you're here and you're here and you're here and you're here. And if you're visiting for the first time, I'm really glad that you're here because you're, you're coming into a church where we're learning how to be really generous and encouraging. And I'm excited for where that's gonna take us. So generosity is the atmosphere we're gonna thrive in here at Crossline. It's gonna be the ground we stand on. It's gonna be the vision 
the eye of our people. It's going to be the language that we speak. And then generosity, lastly, is going to be the attitude that we spread. Don't you like to be around generous people? And don't generous people infect you to be more generous? Isn't it contagious? I mean, I like being around generous people. Now, generosity doesn't always fit with prosperity. How many of you are like me? When things are going really well, I'm super generous. When, you know, life is like bullet cherries and things are going really well, you know, and I can give out of my surplus, you know, that God's blessing me. How about when things aren't going so well? Well, there was a group in the Bible, they're called the Macedonians, and they knew how to be generous in adversity. Paul talks about them. It's just an attitude that they have. Listen to them about the Macedonians. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Well, how did that grace of God bestowed on the church in Macedonia work out? In this specific way. That in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Isn't that interesting? They're being persecuted for believing in Jesus. But that's not robbing their joy. It's not stopping them from being generous. Paul goes on to say, for, our, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Paul's mind was blown. He looked at the Macedonians and said, man, they're really going through it. And then the Macedonians are like, no, we want to give you money. We want to support the gospel work. We want you to come and join us. And their liberality and their generosity and their joy was actually thriving in the midst of their adversity. And that was the testimony to God. Some of us here are not having a great day. A lot of us here have not just had a great day. We've been having gnarly months. Some of us, terrible year. But you know what? When you know Jesus, you're, you're connected to the man who, who, in the midst of his adversity, kept being generous. And because he was generous in the midst of adversity, we're going to heaven. He could have bailed out on God and his purpose at that moment. That was one of the best decisions I've ever seen ever made in the Garden of Gethsemane. Is there, you got a plan B, God? Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. Because God's a redeemer. Can we say that together? God's a redeemer. That's right. I'm just gonna speak a word over those people who are in adversity right now. God wants to redeem whatever it is that you're going through that feels terrible for his glory. But you gotta work with him. Are you going to trust him? You see, it's an attitude. It's not a circumstance. Does that make sense? A lot of times my attitude goes with my circumstance. But when I reflect on Jesus and what he did for me and, and how God's glory actually came and generosity came through a horrible situation, then God can get into my horrible situation and through his generosity, he can redeem it. And I just want you to know, if you're going through something really hard, we want to pray with you. We want to lift you up. Please let us know on your little comment card. Man, Kenny, that was me. Would you please pray with me? Because God wants to be generous with you. And then I pray that even in the midst of, of your circumstances, that, that your circumstances won't tell you who you are or tell you who God is. But that you'll rise up in the midst of it and you'll fly on wings like eagles.
You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not be tired. Knowing God is a different dimension in the middle of earth. So generosity is going to be the attitude that we spread. Now, if we embrace God's call to generosity in this community of believers, some things are going to happen. And the first thing that's going to happen is that you're going to change. Write this down. Generosity among us will transform us inwardly. That's what generosity does. When you take what you feel is uniquely yours. Oh, and by the way, newsflash, it's God's. But when you take what you feel is uniquely yours, and you, and you give it away, and you go, God, you're generous, I want to be generous, okay? We transform. Let's read Acts 20, 35. Ready? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow, that means Jesus is going to meet you in that moment where there's a tension between giving or receiving. And he's going to change you. You change as you let go of what you feel is uniquely yours and try to protect it. And in Jesus' name and for God's purposes and because you love other people, you give and you're generous. Secondly, generosity among us as a community is going to position us biblically. Now, if you come to the Belong class, there's going to be a little section where I'm going to talk about how we believe this book is God's direct word to us. That this is our life and practice as a church flows right out of this book. And when we're generous, we don't have to worry a lot about whether we're acting biblically in a lot of other dimensions. Look at what it says in in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 8. It says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. You see, when you love God and you love people, and remember, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Right? So when you fulfill God's law of, of loving him and, and having that conviction and expressing it, in every way possible that you can, and you're committed to loving people, you're going to be generous. When you're generous with your love, you're going to be in position to fulfill all the requirements of what God wants. That's why when Jesus was asked, hey, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Two simple convictions, many expressions. Okay? So generosity among us is going to position us inwardly, position us biblically, and then third, it's going to grow our influence exponentially. And I'm going to go back and reference the verse from Proverbs that we looked at earlier. And I would love for us to look at our notes and read this verse together and just declare it and speak it in faith. Proverbs 11:24. Ready? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. You know, when God was speaking to Joshua, he said, you know what? This season, you with Moses, that's in the past. Now, be strong and courageous, you know? The Lord your God won't fail or forsake you. And you're going to take the land of the Hittites, the Jebunites, the Canaanites, every ite, mosquito bite. You're going you're to start gobbling up territory, bro. Just make sure that, you know, that this word doesn't depart from your mouth. And you'll be prosperous. 
in everything that you do. You know, God is a territory-taking God. When Jesus established the church in Matthew 16, and he looked at Peter and the guys, he said, you know what, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, and guess what? The gates, or agenda of hell, will not prevail against you. You're gonna gobble up territory. Do you think that God wants to expand the influence of his church in this community? Yes or no? 100% yes. But it's not gonna happen unless we have a collective of people who know how to be generous like God. Not in some ways, not as an event, but as an attitude and as a lifestyle. So experience the generosity of Jesus and receive him into your life as your savior and as your Lord and experience his goodness and loving kindness and then watch what happens. You're gonna change from the inside out. You're gonna be positioned to experience and fulfill the express word of God, and then your influence individually, and then us as a collective community, it's gonna spread out and it's gonna go from here. Now, if I'm you, I would wanna know what happens if I say yes to what you're talking about, right? Well, you know, if you decide that you're gonna be generous and you're gonna give of your time and your talent, and yes, your treasure. God promises to do some things. On the bottom of your notes, I just put 12 things that automatically start moving toward you as you decide to be generous. If you decide to be generous materially, you honor God. Giving is an act of worship. We say that every time we have our, so if you haven't started giving, start giving. It's an act of worship. It's part of your life. It's biblical. You give because God gave to you. You're interested in Jesus. You're interested in heaven. You invest in people getting to heaven. Right? You honor God. Second, you draw closer to God. Jesus says, forever uh, a man's uh, treasure is, there his heart will also be. All right? You draw closer to God. If, if you're investing in your time, talent, and treasure in the things of God, you're going to get closer to God. You become more like Jesus, the most giving person ever. Man, Jesus broke the rules to give. I mean, he touched the ethnically unacceptable, the morally unacceptable, the physically unacceptable, the ra racially unacceptable. He defended women. He said, let the children come, and he touched them, and he blessed them, and he broke the rules to be generous. When you give, you become like Jesus. JP has mentioned this in the past, and it's worth repeating. When I become generous, I break the power of materialism. You know what materialism's about? Getting and taking. And the only antidote to getting and taking is loving and giving. And that's who we want to be. We change from the inside out and we break the power of materialism. And I got a newsflash. You may think you're not a materialist, but if you're not generous, you are. Just saying. That's some serious medicine. But you know what? It's true. You know what the Bible says? If, we, if we're generous, it reveals our true character. It reveals whether we're selfish or unselfish. It reveals whether we're generous or stingy. The Bible also says that when we give materially, we trigger God's blessing. If you want God's blessing, you can't be stingy because God is so generous. He doesn't reward stinginess. He rewards generosity. Want more joy? The Bible says you're going to get it. Remember that verse from Acts 20 that I quoted? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, on this point, talk about, you know, a giving moment for kids where they're focused on getting is Christmas. 
They got lists. They're like thinking about it all year. And, but then I remember being a kid and going, I want Vertibird Air Command. And I want a, uh, a Schwinn bike with a banana seat. And I, want, and I would make my list and I would like pester my mom totally. But you know, then I grew a little bit older and then I started dating and then I got married Chrissy. Thank you, Jesus. And then I started having kids. And, and then now I shifted and my, my focus on receiving my joy doesn't come from receiving anymore. It comes from giving. Why? Because I grew up. You know, as Christians, if your focus is on what you're getting and not your ability to give to God and to have joy in giving to God, it's a maturity issue. Gotta grow up in Jesus. That's what God really wants us to do. He's for us becoming mature and getting a lot of joy out of giving. God also says that I'll expand my influence. We pounded on that one. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. larger. And then this is a really interesting one, which, which always kind of just sort of blows my mind, right? People will say, prove the existence of God. And then I, I go back to my seminary class, and I'll see there's the ontological argument, there's a teleological argument, argument there's a cosmological argument, there's a historical argument. And I start going through it. And say, God's like, no, 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 no. He just goes, you give me the first part of your income, I'll make more than 90, and then you'll know I'm real. And then we'll get into this little game. Then you try to outgive me, and then I will give you more so that you can give more to good things and my purposes. And then I'll give you more, and you try to outgive me, and then I'll give you more than you gave me, and let's go for it, and let's see who wins. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, test me now in this and see if I won't unlock a storehouse of blessing. But a lot of times, we're just, we're choking Benjamin Franklin, to the point where he has tears. You know, we're holding on. Try being generous. Put God to the test. He says he'll multiply your resources. And that's, that's what we're gonna be around here. We're gonna really put God to the test as a community. The Bible says that when you're generous, you bring God's protection. In Psalm 112, verses five and six, says a generous, generous man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances, God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on those who see it. Even in the worst adversity, God's constant care of you and generosity with you is gonna keep you steady. Your own generosity in the midst of that, people are gonna look at that and just go, man, that's not natural because I would be thumbing my finger at God right now. But what is it about you that you're not bitter? It's because God's with you. Because you've learned that he's generous and you become generous yourself and it's reset your heart. And even when the worst is happening, you won't be overthrown. That's what a generous heart does for you. And then this last thing I'll mention is I will be rewarded in heaven. If we as a collective and as individuals we learn to be generous. Jesus says in Luke 16 that we're going to be rewarded in heaven. He says this, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you 
with the true riches of heaven. Wow. Wow. Is he saying how I manage my funds on earth kind of reflects what my responsibilities are in heaven? Yes. I don't know how you can read it any other way. But see, God has made it so easy for us. He's like, okay, I'm generous, and I was generous in giving you my son. And all these other things, by the way, like 30 different things that happened the moment you say yes to my son happened to you, so I just blew you away. I was lavish. But, and you appreciate that, and you see that, and now you're going to become generous, and you're going to be uh, out of your own head and into the, my purposes and, and loving people and, and being giving and being generous, and then I'm going to bless you, and you're handling what he's given you so well that guess what? You're going to, it's like, hey, he's got a track record, man. It's like, you know, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's like, what about this guy? Well, he's got a good track record, bro. And uh, he, look at what he did. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he, we should give him responsibility up here. You know, I'm, I'm looking at people in this audience specifically, and you have just been so good and so generous with us. And we, we just love and bless you for that. But more importantly, God's going to bless you. And so as your pastors, can I just say something really specific? I don't think we need to talk a lot about money as much as we need to cultivate our collective spirit of generosity. Can I get an amen on that one? That's what we need to talk about. So when God asks, immediately we're like, we're like that person in the Bible. It's just like we're devising ways like, okay, what can we do to give more? Because I, I want to get in on this whole kingdom thing. You know, and God's generous with me and I need to be generous and I gotta think about ways that I can shift what I'm about so I can be more into and about what God's about and then that's gonna make my world larger and larger versus smaller and smaller. You see, generosity has way less to do with what your giving is financially. It has a ton more to do with your thinking. Specifically, what is your thinking about God? Because your life in God will never outperform your view of God. And God wants us to hear very clearly this morning, as individuals and as his community, he's generous. He's been, he's been so generous with you. Generous with us. Let your world get bigger, not smaller. See, generosity is what's gonna transform our church generous spirit, just like God is generous to the core, generous love, generous giving, more outreaches that we can do the next generation, God's heart for the, the poor and hurting, as we just, we, we be like that generous man, the Bible says, and he's devising ways, it's like, how can I get involved in that? Generosity is going to make our church healthy. Man, it's a healthy place when people are generous, and healthy things grow. Generosity is going to bring blessing to you. God promises it. It's not because I say it. It's because God's word declares it. And I declare it over you right now that if you decide today that you're gonna be more generous, God's gonna bless you in ways that I can't even predict. You're gonna blow your mind. Generosity will bring salvation to this community. It's gonna bring the gospel. All that stuff you see up on the screen so that we can bring the gospel. Windshape, gospel. TBBS, gospel. Hume Lake, gospel. Beast feast, gospel. We're gonna bring the gospel to people so that they can know and experience the same generosity of grace and love and forgiveness and mercy and truth that you and I have had. So let's be a people that when God asks, we're more prone to say yes. How can we do that as couples, as families? What can we do right now 
just go, hey, you know what? Let's reset our generosity. Maybe, maybe husbands and wives need to have a conversation. Not because I'm telling you to. Because God's spoken. When it comes to generosity, let's, let's put others first. Let's trust God in the promises that he has given him. To be like him. For God so loved the world, he... Let's bow our heads. Let's ask God to make us like him. Father, thank you that we don't have to get weird talking about generosity. We just have to get in front of you. And when we pause and ponder, there's an awe and a wonder over how generous you've been with us. You left the 99 to find the one. The circumstances you orchestrated to save us, to save me. The situations you bailed us out of. The sins you've forgiven over and over and over again, wooing us with your kindness. We did nothing to deserve you. And as we now turn our hearts to worship, Jesus, help us to pour back generously into your spirit, oh God. Where the Bible says that our, our worship and our prayers is like incense that comes into your in through your nose and into your being and it refreshes you and gives you great pleasure. So God, I look forward to the days, weeks, and months to come of you moving in the power of the Holy Spirit over every individual that can hear my voice right now in this community. And Lord, I thank you that the generosity that's gonna be birthed from this moment and season is going to save and reach people who then will become generous and you will give to them. And as you give your spirit and your love and your son to them, God, they're gonna give your spirit and your love to other people in many ways and in many expressions. And our world is going to get larger and larger as Crossline Church to the glory of God. And God's people said, amen.